Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Mark Fraley Podcast. Today is Friday, August 18, 2023. We have a wonderful sunny day here in Nashville with a promise that the temperature won't get too hot. As always, thanks to Ron Trammell for our bluesy theme music. Today is our 101st edition of the podcast. A shout out and a big thank you to all of you who have been my guests and to my listeners and followers over the last six years. As we get started on the next 100 episodes, let me remind you that the podcast can be found in a number of ways. You can listen directly from the webpage, that's markfraley.com, or you can listen and subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts. If you wish to get an email notice when a new edition comes out, sign up for our email list at the front of the webpage. Also, we always announce new episodes on our Facebook page and Twitter. I will continue to strive to bring you interesting content related to parks, conservation, and other interests. If you should ever have a comment or suggestion, send me a note to Fraylaw, F-R-A-L-A-W, at AOL.com. Over the course of producing this podcast, we have had numerous episodes dedicated to urban forestry. Check out our interview with Ashley Kite Rowland in March of 2021 and with Gene Hyde in June of 2020, for example. Today, we bring back for a second visit our friend Jim Gregory. Back in January of 2019, we talked to Jim about a new organization which was forming at that time, then called the Nashville Tree Task Force. Shortly after that interview, the group was rebranded as the Nashville Tree Conservation Corps and chartered as a 501c3 not-for-profit. And this group is doing some excellent work focused on the public policy aspects of trees here in Nashville. Trees can't speak for and fight for themselves. And so, today we get an update from Jim about efforts to improve the regulatory governance of trees in our city the successes they have had, and the work which remains. And we will get started right after this brief message. Hi, this is Heather Lose, Editor-in-Chief of the Tennessee Conservationist Magazine. Every year, we publish six beautiful issues packed full of timely and informative stories about Tennessee culture, people, and places. You can stay informed about your world and all the great things happening in your Tennessee state parks. It's easy to subscribe. Just go to our website at tnconservationist.org. Thank you. Jim Gregory, welcome to the Mark Fraley Podcast. Thank you so much for having me again. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. Jim, thank you for agreeing to spend some time with us today. Um, in preparation for getting together with you, I went back and looked. You Last time we were together was in January of 2019, and that seems like a long time ago. Yeah, it's like on the other side of the pandemic. Well, that's I, right. I, I don't remember anything happened before the pandemic. <laughs> no, I mean, that's exactly right, and it was in the middle of the winter, and here, you're now here in the summertime, and we've got the garden all in bloom out there, and so it's fun to have you here. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's very tranquil. Well, you were one of the first... 20 guests that I had on, on, on this program. And at that time, you were just getting started with this idea 
yeah. of the of the Tree Conservation Corps. Yeah. The Nashville Tree Conservation Corps. I, I don't remember whether you had coined that name at that point in time. Uh, perhaps you had just coined it. I think we may have just coined it. Yeah. January was right. We we launched the organization in March. Okay. So March 2019 is when it started. Okay. So yes, then you were just getting get just getting actually organized. I think you yeah. you operated sort of um, as a non incorporated sort of entity for a little while. The Nashville Tree Task Force. There there it was. Okay. Yeah. Now now I got it. Um, and so now you're fully organized as a 501c3. Uh, you've got a board, the whole thing going on, and several yes. years of, of experience. Um, so welcome back. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be back. I'm, I'm, I do know that, that there's also been a change in your status. You, you are not like a, you're executive director at this point. Is that right? I am the first and founding executive director of the Nashville Tree Conservation Corps. Super, super. Well, and since when is that? Has that change happened? February of this year. Okay. So about six months in. All right, good. So so let's, for the benefit of our listeners that have not had the benefit of listening to our previous interview, let's talk about maybe why you felt the need for an organization as you have. Yeah. Tell us. So the Tree Corps focuses on advocacy. And, and advocacy for the existing tree canopy that it that's in in Nashville and we have a laser focus on advancing policy so what advocacy means is advancing policy ensuring that policy is implemented and enforced correctly um, in, in in a way we are sort of the the watchers of Nashville's tree canopy and we objectively look at the situation and see how can we advance the narrative and hopefully um, change the culture of Nashville to celebrate its trees a little more than than we are right now. Well, that's a you know, thank you for putting it that way. Um, there are multiple organizations in Nashville that have to do with trees. Yeah, you know, the Root Nashville and the Tree Foundation, uh, we're all partnering together and and kind of going at this tree solving tree solutions from from different angles right so i'm really happy to say that we're all you know partnering together and collaborating together and 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 doing good stuff each in our own lane you guys do uh, sell and plant trees and organize tree plantings and all that sort of thing as other groups do yeah but your focus has that that's part of your job but your focus really is on the policy part yeah we have to say so we plant trees and do um one of my the project that i absolutely adore and gets me really excited about every day every time i'm there is the shelby avenue arboretum so we've planted 680 trees and shelby avenue it's going to be over two miles of trees uh it's it's incredible we're working on signage we've got a great website for it now um, projects like those and planting trees or tree sale keeps us visible in the community mm-hmm. because what we work on is the invisible policy stuff that no one sees. And if we just focus on that, no one really know that we existed. So right. we do have to have a little bit of tree planting activity uh, in, in the background. And Excellent. Well, let's, let's dig in and talk a little bit about uh, the policy aspects. I, in uh, this morning, uh, 
I was talking to a fellow about uh, the idea that I was going to interview you today. And um, he said, well, um, are there any regulations about what landowners can do with trees <laughs> um, or developers can do with trees? And I said, well, it's, that's, a, that's a tricky subject. Uh, and I, I said to him that it's right now it's pretty liberal in terms of what developers can, can do. They can pretty much go in and, and cut everything down before development. Obviously, they're required to plant to replant mm -hmm. to some degree. Is that still the state of affairs in Nashville today? Pretty much. We so since we started the organization in 2019, we've been involved in five major policy shifts, policy endeavors, and dozens and dozens of zoning. Uh, I don't know, cases of called zoning uh, uh, discussions where we've gotten involved with parcels of land that have a large number of trees on them, a high, high uh, tree canopy count. And in those cases, usually we go in and try to um, steer the development as much as possible towards um, preserving the existing tree canopy as, as much as we can. Right. Um, would you like me to talk about the, the, the tree policy advancements that we've made? I would. I, I, I really would like for people to hear more about what the problem is. Oh, yeah, sure. And, uh, and let's, let's talk about that. Well, let's, yeah, yeah, that's a great. Yeah. So like, a problem yeah. is not, it's not really a problem. It's because it's kind of negative. I am, I'm describing what Nashville has and what makes us unique. And what Nashville has is over 130,000 acres of continuous forest in Davidson County. And that's really special. Right. And if we were to just conserve 10,000 acres of that 130,000 acres, we would have the largest urban forest in the nation. And we'd rival that of even the Tiwaka Forest and Rio de Janeiro. Um, Tiwaka Forest is only about 9,900 acres uh, in size, approximately. Uh, and then the uh, the Great Trinity Forest in Dallas, Texas, is, I think it currently has like 6,000 acres. And wow. we're planning on pushing it to 10,000. So we have to kind of beat, their, beat them a little bit, too. So, but Nashville has something really special going on for it. We are a major and obviously very fast-growing city right. that has this immense natural treasure within its county bounds. And those trees are doing a lot of work for the city. They are taking all the pollution that is generated from our inner city is blows out into those trees and it blows back in as clean air and clean water um, coming back to us. And so those city, so those trees are doing a lot of work for the city. They are a big part of our green infrastructure and uh, need to be on the map for our sustainability goals as well. And so the way that we go about, you know, protecting that is you know there are various tools but one of those tools that the tree corps is going after is is advancing policy to sort of protect what we have because currently the problem that we have is that um, any any person can or any entity and i think entity is um, should really be emphasized can buy a hundred acres of the of that forest and completely clear cut it and put whatever they want on it and there's absolutely no mitigation or no tree preservation requirements for those trees that are doing so much work for the city 
and you know, I come from the country. I'm from Indiana. And I talk to my parents about like, you know, the cutting trees and stuff. And, you know, it's a different mindset in the country. Like, well, you know, so you cut trees for firewood, right. you cut trees for timber, you're out in the country and it's not a big deal. The forest renews itself Right. when in a city, it's a different context. And, and when so many tree people are living around each other and, uh, and, and trying just trying to live healthily those trees if they go so goes our livability standards and there goes our health and so you know there is a price uh, for those trees and 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 what they're doing to to protect the city and we're trying to have the conversation of what price are we as citizens willing to to pay for them and and looking towards our peer cities like Atlanta and like Charlotte and um, Louisville, Kentucky, Indianapolis, you know, peer cities that we can really compare ourselves to, not like New York City or right, San Francisco, right. but like actual peer cities that we're, you know, really could compare ourselves to. And, and how what are they doing and what can we do and what is the price that they put on their tree canopy? And is that also the price that we're willing to pay as well? That's the kind of dialogue that we're having uh, with all the city stakeholders right now about how to advance our tree preservation. All right, so you have made some progress as far as policy is concerned. Uh, tell us about, about the, the, the elements that you've, that you've already uh, been able to achieve. Yeah, so I think that I'll start with the, 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 most, the, the biggest ones first and we'll, we'll narrow it down. So I think the, the first biggest one I would like to talk about was in 2019, um, we uh, passed uh, 1416, which we called the Tree Density Bill. And it's specifically targeted commercial and multifamily properties and uh, brought their tree density requirements from the absolute lowest amongst the 17 peer cities we studied to about average. And to be honest, just a point below average. So we're just a little okay. below average. But okay. that was a 60% increase from what we currently had. So it was a massive leap uh, for, the, for the developer stakeholder groups to, to get behind um, because those are kind of the numbers. You know, there's different ways of looking at it. We're absolutely worst or, you know, what is average. But to them, it was a 60% increase to what they were trying to do. And so we're just kind of, we worked through that dialogue. But we got... We got that bill passed. So now when you see commercial and multifamily properties uh, being built in, in Nashville, you're going to see a lot more trees being planted uh, on those properties now. And, and you actually are seeing this. And if you kind of look closely, okay. you'll see the difference that this bill is making. Oh, so that's the first really big bill that we got passed. The second one was uh, the second biggest. took us two years to, to, to work through, um, and that was the public... Um, what, what would we call this? We call, it was the response to Cherry Gate. So oh, the, right. So, yeah, tell us, remind us what that was. So in in March 2019, April 2019, the NFL draft um, came to town, and it was undisclosed that a plan had been made by city officials to allow the removal of 27 cherry trees on the uh, river river park riverfront park riverfront yeah. park yeah to make room for the nfl draft stage which was only going to be up for two or three the days weekend. yeah for the weekend right 
and just cut these trees down they're in the way and some of them are like you know tired and 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 sad looking so just you can go ahead and remove them because they all just need to be just because some of them were sad looking all of them just could go and we'll just renew the whole thing so that was sort of the discussion that was made it had in january and we were tipped off on that um just the weekend prior to them cutting the trees down and just to keep this very long interesting story short um we started a petition and they chose serendipitously they chose the weekend that those trees were going to be in full bloom (laughs) had they chose the week before the week after the optics right no one would have cared because they would look like dead trees or they would look like you know scraggly trees and uh, but they chose the weekend that they were going to be in full bloom and fortunate unfortunately or fortunately and that just the optics of cutting these beautiful blooming cherry trees down uh, we started a petition and it, we had a, a modest goal of a thousand signatures by Sunday um, by we started on Saturday and by Sunday we had over 50,000 signatures and made national news and the NFL um, apologized profusely and decided to not cut down any of the trees dig them up, move them, set them aside, and then get the city 200 new cherry trees for all of our parks. So that should have been the deal <laughs> from the very get-go. Right. And, and we had to raise some cane to, to get there. Right. But in response to that event, we worked two years through the pandemic, through the tornado, uh, with Councilmember Jerry Syracuse to, uh, to get a public tree accountability law passed and we essentially took an existing executive order which required certain transparency and accountability um, measures to be taken she was set in motion by mary berry at the time in response to fort negley we took that executive order and we essentially codified it and turned it into actual legislation and added some new bells and whistles and so now by law not by executive order by law um, trees are considered uh, green infrastructure, and that's a really those important that are on public property, uh, trees in general in the city are okay. considered green infrastructure, okay. and I think it's a really important thing that's in. We, we've now, as a city, have that stated in our right. in our legislation. So that's a really important language to have for the future. Um, but in addition to that, we have a tree review panel. That, so now that when public trees, so we're getting, now we're focusing on public trees. Right. So when trees in parks or I think even public right of way, uh, certain caliper threshold is removed, it triggers a tree review panel to, to look at that and publicly disclose what the plan is. And now there's a published table that requires um, if certain number of trees are removed, X number are replaced and Metro has to exceed the tree planting standard. So that was a response to the Cherry Gate situation, but there's also an important strategic policy to have in place because the conversations that we were having with the developer stakeholders in our city were bringing up the very good point of why we were trying to raise standards for the private sector for them, yet the public standards for trees were so were lower than the standards we were trying to, and so that was a that was a valid argument. It was mm-hmm. like why so like how, why is the city being held at a lower standard than we're trying to to push on to the or have asked the developers to to to, to take on, and uh, and so we increased the public standard, and now the public standard is far and above the private standard. 
So now that argument's been sort of you know addressed, and and um, and so that's another strategic reason why that that bill was so important. Who in Metro is responsible for minding that policy? So I think the majority of the res- the accountability exists in Metro Water, I believe. Okay. If, um, and but the the tree review panel consists of every city agency that dabbles in trees. So the urban forester, Stefan Kivitz in there. Um, we have Metro Parks officials in there. Um, and uh, I think there's a Metro Council member in there too. NES probably. Yeah. Yeah. So they just convene and it's just a bunch of the, the tree people, the internal tree city people. And they, you know, have practical conversations of, you know, should we remove these trees and how are we going to replace them? Right. And then those are published uh, publicly. So that mechanism is triggered whenever uh, there's a need to, or uh, a desire to, to remove trees on public property. Yeah. I believe the the threshold is like a hundred caliper inches. Okay. What is a hundred caliper inches? So, or di- is it DB? Sorry, it's DB. It might be DBH. A hundred diameter breast height. Sorry, miss okay. caliper. Di- caliper is. I have calipers on, on my mind. I'm, I'm selling trees. Or we're, we're getting a bunch of trees moved, and caliper is like for like tr- plant new newly planted trees are measured right. by the caliper inch. Okay, which is just the diameter breast inch by the root flare. Um, gotcha. Six inches above the root flare. Okay. That's caliper. Gotcha. I misspoke. Not caliper. Diameter breast height, which is a measure for more mature trees where it's about four feet or your standard breast height. Right. Probably belly right. button height for me. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, di- <laughs> diameter breast height um, is the measure for this tree okay. panel. So it's 100 diameter breast height inches removed. Um, that will trigger the review panel. And that seems to be working? Yeah, it's okay. great. You'll see signs go up in parks when there, um, when there's a, n- a large number of trees being removed that um, for, I don't know, building a new gazebo or whatever. I think Centennial Park is a great example. They had to, they, they did a bunch of renovation work there and they had to take down a bunch of trees. So that triggered their tree review panel. They really reviewed that and they really made sure that all the details of the replacement uh, were, were were published and public was made aware of to avoid any outcries. And so the law has a requirement for public notice of, yeah. of that. Yeah, so signs will go Give up. people to an signs opportunity to... Because we've, you know, we brought up the point when making this bill, and, and it was a really difficult conversation with some of the metro agencies, it's like signage should be put up when, because when trees start coming down, people start freaking out. And then, frankly, it's organizations like us that get the phone call and then we're put on alert and we have to... So it's like, you know, just put up the sign that that stuff's going to start happening. And, and if you have a problem, here's the scan this QR code. It takes you to the website. Right. You can write your complaint or comment, right. whatever, and we'll review it. Right. So now that, that process exists. Um, so, yeah, that's... You know, it's interesting. And I'm, I've drive through Centennial Park Oh, about five days a week on my way over to the over to the sportsplex to swim, right? Yeah, and I've noticed, um, you know, we had a a really hard freeze late late in the winter, just as as yeah. spring was you beginning that too. to. I did too. <laughs> no, <laughs> so you're talking about the Christmas freeze, but a different freeze. We, we had a we had a freeze late in the, in the year, 
um, and it bit a lot of trees, killed a lot mm-hmm. of, of uh, shrubbery and trees. Yeah. And um, it seems like Metro Parks is, is going through Centennial Park now and removing the dead trees. Yeah. Um, and, um, and because they, they create a safety uh, yeah. issue, certainly. We had that deep freeze right around Christmas right. that really got a lot of the stuff. Like right. the, all the cryptomeria that I've seen are just totally toast. Right. Okay, so you've had some serious successes. Yeah. Oh, and also I want to mention the yes. Route Nashville. Um, oh, yes, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was another major win. Uh, that one was the easy shoe-in, and we didn't really have very much involvement with, but we were uh, we sent out emails in support of, and it was mentioning, worth mentioning on the po- for the podcast, that um, Route Nashville, which is a campaign to plant 500,000 trees by 2050, um gotten major funding secured through a legislation piece of legislation um, brought to you by Berkeley Allen that uh, took basically one percent of builder permits building permits and put into a fund dedicated to planting trees on private property and so now as Nashville develops so will this bank of that will be used for planting trees on private property so that's well, a really big deal. Yes, congratulations on that. We had Meg Morgan uh, as a guest on this program yeah. uh, last year. And uh, for those that are interested, you can go back and, and uh, listen to that. Really exciting um, program to have really a dedicated stream of money available to purchase uh, lot, you know, tree st- stock and, and basically give it away to, to, uh, to the public. Yeah. Um, and and they are focused on specific neighborhoods too, which are lacking in, tr- in the tree canopy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a targeted approach. Exactly. I have two other bills I want to speak to just real quickly. I want you to. That's There's, why we're here. Great. We got all um, the time in the big, world. Another big one, which wasn't legislative, but it was more planning policy related. So the planning department has all these different tools for um, policies that. Uh, are not necess- I don't think they're necessarily legislative. I think they're just internal planning policies, but sometimes do involve Metro Council pushing for them, in which case Angie Henderson was the lead council sponsor on this policy. But um, probably unbeknownst to a lot of callers, maybe, unless you're a total zoning sleuth, um, the cluster lot option in Nashville was being seriously abused by many um, or some um, developers in the city. Um, they're just using as a massive loophole for getting um, higher density for nothing, really. For and, and the way that cluster lots should work, the way that cluster lots should work is um, you you you, ha- you get higher density for clustering your houses so that natural areas are preserved, like a, a group of trees are preserved, or there's a swamp or something right. you have that ability to play to to use that development tool to trade in say like i will you know I, i'm going to leave the stand of trees if you allow for a higher density requirement right. move and, the castles a little closer together to avoid yeah. having to and, every, and everybody trees. wins right. like you know the the environment's better people are healthier living around in the neighborhood looks better the developer gets more um you know houses to sell and and that's the way a cluster lot should work but it was not set up that way i don't know when in nashville but it just was a giant loophole just to get more density for nothing essentially and that's a generalization but that's 
people found those loopholes and they exploited them because that's just the way things work. That's the way things work. So, um, in a nutshell, we threw that out. Uh, we got it took about a year and some change uh, of neighborhood associations working and Tree Corps was working right there at the tip of the spear, and we um, we we got the cluster lot replaced with the conservation. Um, conservation development I think it's what final its name finally was but essentially um, just not to bore you with all the details but it functions now as the cluster lot should have functioned in the first place if the, if the property has serious natural features part of the bartering tool that the planning department and the community can use now is like we will allow you to do the conservation um, development option if you preserve these stands of trees and that swamp over there, well, they have to do the swamp anyway, so it's right. federal. But the stand of trees and, and that open field will allow you to have more density. And so now we have a tool that um, that actually works you know, with Nashville's natural environmental features. So that was right. a really major win too. Right. Another minor win that we had was um, street trees are now required in urban, dense, urban zoning districts. There's a very small fraction of project properties or uh, area in Nashville, very small fraction of area in Nashville that's affected by this policy. But essentially now street trees are required in the densest areas of our, of our city. And so you just, if you want to build that commercial building, whatever, you have to put street trees is not an option. So we got that uh, um, as well. And... Um, yeah, I could go on. There's actually so that that's just the policy stuff. There's some pretty cool like zoning wins that we had too that kind of yeah. And those were few. those were kind of case specific, um, involving uh, uh, situations where developers asking for some sort of special treatment, uh, you know, a, a variance or whatever you might call it. Sometimes we just flat out defeated um, certain builders in. In the planning commission, at the planning commission, right, we stopped a um, in White's Creek. They I remember sh- the White's Creek. Mm-hmm. Pro- tell us, any, tell us I'm about not that. Not going to name names, but it was right. the largest home builder in the United States. Right, wanted to um, cram like 300 houses on 60 acres and completely surround. If you imagine like a horseshoe-shaped property, and in the middle is this um, family farm, uh, about another 100 acres or so, uh, that. Uh, the family had owned the horseshoe property, but like grandma, great great grandma from the times past sold it so that the kids go to, go to college or whatever. Right. And uh, anyways, uh, that property then was uh, the planning a developer wanted to put over three hundred houses and sixty acres and completely engulf this family farm in a really rural area of White's Creek that did not have you know the right kind of road for three hundred houses just to pop up out of nowhere. Uh, and flooding concerns and all the tree removal, all that. And um, nine month story short, we uh, brought in attorneys, we our own attorneys, uh, and we uh, played all the little games that they play at the planning commission and we, we won. And this was the developer's request to rezone the property to allow that, that sort of development? Yes. Okay, so... Uh, because the underlying zoning wouldn't have permitted that that many homes to be built on that few acres. Yes, right. And it was only feasible if they could right. get this right. number of homes in that. Property. And this is to illustrate that it's important to have somebody there uh, minding the shop. Yeah, yeah. You can't. 
I think hopefully everyone in the in, of your viewers understand this, but if you don't, and just tell your friends this as well, it is too late when the bulldozers arrive to change anything about what is going to happen in your neighborhood. You typically, when your neighborhood is going to change drastically, that plan had that that decision has been made a year or more longer in advance from what happens. You have to be aware of when those little red signs go up. You you have to check them out. Otherwise, you know, it's too little too late. If, if by the time the chainsaws and bulldozers arrive, there's nothing in your power that you can right. do to stop them. And and that's and that's as it should be. I mean the mm-hmm. the um, developers invest time and money oh, yeah, and, and securing permits and doing all this stuff and uh, and they're going through the process and yep. Uh, if they go through the process and nobody raises their hand to object, exactly. then that's that's that. Exactly. So um, most zoning gets no zoning rezoning stuff gets no pushback at all in the community, right. and it's only what the most organized neighborhoods that really put up a fight. And those no neighborhoods are often the ones that are you drive through and like, wow, everything's nice. It's because they are organized and they've got. You know they're they're act they're engaged. So interesting. Well, Jim, there's more work to do. Yes, a lot of work. <laughs> and I, I I know from minding your uh, social media feed uh, that efforts were made here about 18 months ago uh, to get a bill into 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 council. Yeah. To to really change the fundamental. Yeah. Uh, the, the equation about uh, how trees are dealt with in, in Nashville. It's very technical, complex uh, topic. Uh, and tell us a little bit about that. So the bill that we just recently lost in council is probably the one you're referring to, 1409. Yeah. yeah. So we It was withdrawn. So. Withdrawn, yeah. yeah, yeah. I lost. Right. I, it's, I'm just to be frank. We lost it, and, uh, and and lessons were learned. And that was the first time that we had a major loss. And we've been doing a really great job of of just getting things passed. And but this one was truly we we really did. It was the hail mary silver bullet of 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 tree legislation. So what were you in a in a general sense? What were you trying to get done? So it was a um, housekeeping bill with two major components in it. So there's the in so the major components of it were we wanted to in uh, implement clear cutting restrictions. So the example that I gave of anyone can anyone or any entity can buy a hundred acres and just completely clear cut all the hundred acres of woods. Right. We wanted to without getting a permit or anybody's permission n- yeah, or anything. Nothing. Just right. and then yeah. And so they um, we wanted to have a dialogue about that and and have uh, something of a table uh, to guide that in, uh, in, in a reasonable, practical way. Um, and the planning department developed a table based on all the zoning and like if it's this zone and it has this much tree canopy on it, you can remove X percent. And you know we developed a big table for that. So that was one component of it was just the clear cutting mitigation restrictions component. And then we had um, the infill development uh, component of it, and that is um, a neighborhood like this. Um, when a house gets knocked down and it has this giant oak tree in it, that tree is green infrastructure for your community. It has value. Right. And, and we wanted to address that value. And so 
um, and specifically wanted to mitigate for that loss. Um, unlike you know Atlanta or unlike Austin, Texas, um, which are also southeast you know southern peer cities that have a lot of the same political context as we do, our state charter just does not allow us to just completely straight up prohibit the removal of a tree. It just the at least if we tried that, the politics of the state wouldn't allow that. So we tried to work with mitigation, so that you know it's a free country. You can remove that tree. Um, but that tree is worth so many credits. And we specifically had the building permit trigger that. And so just if you are just living in your home at what we call like owner-occupied home and you want to cut down your tree, that's on you and your neighbors. That's, but if you are a business wanting to come in and, uh, and, and change the neighborhood and, and put up a new house and you want to take down that tree, now that, that because you're filing for the building permit, that tree has that that tree has mitigation value and right. and so if you want to take it down it's going to be worth so many credits and you have to pay those credits either by putting trees back on the property right. or paying in lieu of credits so those are the two components clear cutting restrictions and then heritage tree mitigation and then we had a bunch of housekeeping stuff like you know removing um uh removing vines uh from trees the invasive vines the uh what is it, the um winter creeper right. what's the other word for it um Euonymus. Euonymus, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Um, if you want that tree to count towards your tree credits as you're building your home, uh, you need to you know, at least get those trees in a healthier state than the way gotcha. you found them. Gotcha. Yeah. Things like that. And uh, kind of um, looking at you know, do small things like parking lots, increasing density in parking lots because... Tennessee has increasing one, tree density in yeah. parking lots. Uh-huh. Tennessee has um, one of the highest child mortality rates um, due to kids being left in cars. So if we just had more shade more in our shade. parking lots, yeah. maybe we'll save a life. You never right. know. But uh, um, you know, it was little like little things like that. What ended up being thirty-four pages of changes, not thirty-four pages of new legislation, but we went through existing legislation and made changes 34 pages right. and that was one of the that was one of the lessons learned from this legislative push is that this was the largest change a lot to digest and with very builder busy builder stakeholders that don't have a lot of time to sift through 34 pages and even though we did a red line in showing like right. we we're just changing this language Still, it didn't set in, even with great, even with a great presentation and, and a one pager and all this stuff. It just kind of boiled down to a lack of trust from the advocate community, which was really pushing this legislation, formed this legislation, and they just kind of felt as if the advocate community was pushing, you know, being an unruly mob pushing on, on us. And we had um, dozens of organizations backing us. We had um, over by the time we stopped, we had over 300 people writing into planning department wanting it to get passed. It was going to, it it was going to happen. And um, what happened was we, um, the planning department received a strongly written word, strongly worded letter from the Home Builders Association in Middle Tennessee, saying that basically if we move forward with this, they would uh, enact. Uh, state legislation that would nullify it oh, and then uh-huh. do some other things uh-huh. and so and that was it and and so uh, we had to um, 
we had to withdraw and uh and, and so that's kind of how that that worked and and yeah it was i think it's it was definitely a loss and but there's no um there's there's positives in the failure and so you know this next round of legislation that we're going to um that's my question gear, is where, where are you going from there now yeah. we are let take instead of a silver bullet solution uh we are going to uh, piecemeal just you know take just kind of go back to the path that we're on and try to instead of trying to make the sweeping changes and we're gonna keep it a, just for you know um, human psychology reasons we're going to keep the try to keep our legislation under three pages and so that every, we just three pages and just attention is on clear-cutting and we're gonna start with the most important things like clear-cutting because that's what we really need to protect what we what right. makes Nashville special right so that's what we're going to start, you know, we're starting the machine up already and, and having discussions. And we're also going to um, do something that we've never done before that is definitely outside of our comfort zone. And that is um, form an advisory group of uh, not just advocates, but really consisting of landscape architects and whom whichever builder stakeholder wants to join in and let the advisory group steer it and in the tree core is just administering the the facilitating the the process right and and just basically with the goal that we have to do something and we're all here because we agree we need to do something we don't know what we're going to do yet but we're going to figure it out and yeah. consensus advisor. building yeah. And yeah. so instead of the advisory, instead of the advocates, advocates looking like an unruly mob trying to push something um, not reviewed and thoroughly vetted by landscape architects, we are going to ensure that the professionals are leading the discussions and decisions that are being made. Right. And, and hopefully the optics of that will look better because this is the most important piece of legislation. We have to get this fixed. And, and it's, it, frankly, it's embarrassing that Nashville is the size that it is and growing at the rate that it is cannot prioritize this. And it's just, frankly, it's just because the folks that are in charge just don't want to pay for the value that our trees provide our city. But other cities are. Our, our, you know, Williamson County, which is a totally different context, not urban, it's not urban, but they have some of the most they have the most stringent tree laws in the state and yet they have no problem building homes and selling homes in Williamson County it's not like Nashville is going to go belly up and um, actually looking at Atlanta Georgia which is a city we often compare ourselves to and mm -hmm. what not to do right but there are certain things that we should look to Atlanta to what we could do and there's actually some I just attended a civic design center seminar this this um, spring and learned that Atlanta comparing a Nashville to Atlanta Atlanta's cost of living is like 30 to 40 percent cheaper the median household price is 34 percent lower than Nashville currently and the median income is like the opposite, thirty-four percent higher than Nashville, and so and and we're worried that by passing tree laws that we're going to wreck our affordable housing even more. Well, it seems like Atlanta, with probably the most stringent tree standards in most any city in the United States, 
uh, it seems like people really enjoy living around trees and want to be around be in neighborhoods that that have trees right. and that's evident if you ever go walking around in atlanta it's very clear that you don't even see the city as you're driving through no, it's, it's through true it because it's there's true. so many trees everywhere yeah it's true i've not been to atlanta many times but the few times that i have been there you get the, just the overall feeling that oh these people care about the environment and the trees I, there, there, there. I, have, I have some data and i have a really strong hunch that that Nashville will be better if we take measures to protect our trees. Right. It's just, just maybe, maybe it's because I'm a bias, but I just, right. I have, just kind of looking around and seeing how other cities um, look and feel with stringent tree laws. It seems like they've got it going on. Well, and we've just, we've just had a an election for city council, and we're in the midst of an election for city council. There's still, there's still um, uh, seats that are the. Um, the, the councilman at large seats still to be yeah. uh, to be filled, and the mayor's uh, uh, position still to be filled with runoff ballot. But uh, my my comment is that uh, that trees and the environment have been a subject that's been uh, in the wind in 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 the in the uh, in the in the campaigning. Um, that's not by chance. That's that people have made it that way. Yeah. Talk more about that. Well, um, I think that it is abundantly clear that people want environmental matters prioritized in the city. I think that's evident by the um, in the cherry gate that happened with the NFL cherry cherry tree. Um, debacle. I think that's evident that every time that we send an email out to our 1,600 pe- members on our me- email list, that nearly 70% of the people open up and take action on the the, the information that we're providing them. And we, we're very careful to just, when there's new legislation, we are there to just, this is what's happening. And if you support it, or if you don't want to support it, click this button. Right. And and uh, looking at the outcome of those emails, we, they continuously break records of the planning department and Metro Council about most emails received on a topic. People will go out of their day, take time out of their day to write a passionate letter uh, moving things forward. And that, that was one of the most the biggest heartbreak that I had this year February when we had to withdraw our bill I was reading just I read almost every message that went to the planning department everyone that I could and it's just like people are really like people are extremely passionate about this topic and I think that this you know I think I can just summarize what people feel in just like one statement it's like we can build the biggest buildings but we can never build a big tree and once that tree's gone only time can get it back and right. like you know and it's, it's like a where a city is experiencing a generation of canopy loss and i think that people people are, are speaking up about this and I'm, I'm really i have to be careful and and definitely not uh, publicly endorse any one candidate um i would like to get a questionnaire out to the runoff the the uh the people that are in the runoff 
and just ask them some tree-related questions like we did the prior year, and that was a really great tool to help people understand um, what candidates are saying about the the tree conservation efforts in in, right. in the city. But I think that it's just I, in, in our. I think people are also getting attuned to what's happening in the environment around them, and in, in you know climate change is is the people are we're noticing it. I just saw on the news that you know even before I saw the news, people were talking. Well, it seems like these storms are getting more powerful. Mm, exactly, these storms are getting a little more. And then I think this week in the news, it was published. Uh, it's confirmed that you know the storms are higher. Uh, intensity and higher frequency than than usual this year and uh you probably didn't think about this but we had two 1000 year floods just an hour apart from each other we had um we so we had obviously the 2010 flood that happened and then we had um the was it hurricane mills was was the area that that was um oh out out yes in humphreys county yeah right right right. that's just like an hour down the road from that exactly and those are two thousand year flood events that happen just like what 10 years apart from each other right that's that should be that that's shocking and and again those are thousand year flood events they should only happen once every thousand year not once every 10 years i want to just uh close the loop on the political side and i know that you're in a 501c3 organization and you you're not, be careful you're, you need to be careful about that i don't have to be careful okay. about that <laughs> and i and i do know that we have we've we've scored some major successes in the people that we've elected to council here recently uh particularly with our new vice mayor um really excited about that and yeah. i think we've got a person there that's a leader yeah who is a person that's going to be on the right side of these issues. So, yeah. so there's Fraley being on his, on his uh, soapbox for the day. Let's, let's, do, let's talk about some happy things and tell us about, about your favorite trees okay. these days. I mean, you you, you um, deal in trees um, in, in a sense. You're, you're buying and selling them and, and you're, you go to the nurseries and you know what's, what's happening. Yeah. What's happening in the trees, in the tree world that people would be interested in and find to be fun? Yeah. Well, um, just to be clear, I, the entire time we're talking, I was ha- talking about things that make me happy. Right. Uh, but if this makes me more happier. Uh, gosh, I have too Not many. Not so serious. I have, yeah. I have too many favorite trees to list. But I think that the one signature tree that I just enjoy planting and always recommend when you have the space is the, is the bur oak. It is just the, in my opinion, it's just this fairy tale oak tree. Even when it's young, it's really interesting. It's got this really gnarly bark in it, and and then when it's just a, you know, five years old or so, it'll start producing these massive acorns bigger than you've ever could imagine exactly. them before. And just, and then when it gets big, when you're talking a hundred years or so, it, it they just are always the most majestic kind of fairy tale oak shape of a tree that you could ever imagine and so i just every time i recommend one of those i just it's a legacy tree I, and something that you are planting and you're certainly going to leave behind right and they're solid and they're not apt to be blown over oh, by yeah, the wind sure. that's just yeah. most oaks are like that exactly and, uh, so love love the burr oak whenever you can plant it um that's my favorite native tree sort of uh, but I have so, so, so many trees, but like my favorite, like non-native tree, I call them like urban trees, is the ginkgo because mm-hmm. it's just a living fossil. Right. And I just love, right. uh, it's a, it's a great tree to have in an urban environment. The, um, 
they tend to be tolerant of the of the hot sun and all yeah, those kind of conditions. Right? They are, yeah, they're living fossil, right, right. <laughs> and, and uh, very interesting, like very one of the oldest tree species and and on the planet. Jim, if if people want to know more about your organization and get involved, uh, how do they do that? Yeah, well, you can go to our website, uh, Nashville Tree Conservation org. Or it's even shorter, treeconservationcore.org, uh, and you can go to our website and learn. We have we publish two tree articles every single month, uh, a broad range of topics from how to kill your tree, part one, two, and three, <laughs> to how to plant your tree correctly, one part one, two, and three. Different soil. I think the this month we just published some different soil types. Um, what you need to consider about planting your trees in different types of soils. Um, we got everything, including tree of the month, which we, you know, we can not tree of the month, but like staff pick kind of trees. And and you all have um, a presence on social media. Oh as well. yeah, yeah. We're on Instagram. Nashville loves trees, and we have two Facebook pages, sort of like the uh, fan page. Then we have a uh, private group. Which is where actually the most people are like, um, it's like a forum. People, it's actually is wonderful that the, the community kind of takes care of itself. People right. post various tree problems and uh, the community, myself included, uh, will swarm the answer. 50% of the time, I think the answer is wrong, but <laughs> I have to go and be like, well, I don't think that this is... Uh, walnut tree i think it's more of a persimmon tree and here's like all the evidence why Ah, i get it that sort of thing well i encourage people to to dial you up join your organization give it give money to this organization um i appreciate that when they're and they're usually at this time of the year you're getting ready for a tree sale yeah well we already we're already 400 trees in. Okay, so you're so right. Got, in, in, so if you want to get involved with your tree sale, now's the time. Yeah, we're going to try to hit 1,000 trees this year. We um, Total trees planted. Last year, we were at uh, 600, 800 was the year before that. I had to focus on tree legislation, not selling trees last last uh, last season. Um, but yeah, we've already, and we've partnered with Root Nashville. We have some grant money uh, flowing into us. In fact, we've already expended it all. Um, and so we're, we're also distributing root national trees through us as well. And if we can't get a three free tree through us or root national, you can buy a tree from us, which is right. a convenient program that delivers a big tree to your, to your front door. Um, or you can have it professionally planted for an additional fee and people really like it. Like it's a really convenient way. We have like, I think over 50 different tree species in our catalog now, we source them all from Tennessee, <clears throat> and yeah, it's just a, a really convenient tree ordering experience. And still encourage you to go and go to your baits, go to your uh, uh, other nurseries, and if you're looking for something special, go to them. But if you aren't really particular about the size, shape, and uh, of tree that you want, uh, and you don't know really know, you know what you know what kind of tree you'd like to have. Go to our website, read up on the trees. I write, we write everything through the context of Nashville and what trees grow, grows well in the urban city context. And yeah, well, it's just By a buying way. trees through your organization, you're supporting your work oh. on the policy side. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's, that's the reason to, to choose you yeah, to, to you're work supporting, for y'all. You're supporting us as well in right. all our mission work. Right. Thanks for that plug, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> 
Jim, thank you so much for your time today. Yeah. It's been a joy to speak with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's All a right. pleasure to be back.